Hey, legends, you know, none of our interviews or episodes ever date, ever. They are all timeless and ready for you for when you're ready to listen. Download the lot and rip in. The following is rated MA. Some people may find it offensive. It contains language, adult themes and immature content, as well as fart jokes. There will be lots of fart jokes. Listener discretion is advised. You've been warned. Welcome to the Weekly Wodge. Congratulations to the Melbourne Storm. Congratulations also to the Penrith Panthers. As disheartening and disappointing as it is, there's 14 other sides that didn't make it as far as you did. A great year. For me, the GF went to script. I thought Melbourne pre-game and they didn't falter. Whether you love them, hate them, you've got to respect them. They're the benchmark and in my eyes they have been for over a decade. 26-20, Nathan Cleary living the nightmare currently about that pass and a few poor choices. But was that really the difference? Did the benching of Brent Naden over the past fortnight backfire? Surely the answer is yes. What have we always heard? If it's not broken, don't fix it. But was that really the difference? Or was it that Melbourne was just too good? Was that the difference? It was for me anyway. No ref blame, no player blame, just the better side won. We're still none the wiser about what or where Cameron Smith's future is, despite the continued and, for me anyway, unwarranted and pretty average personal attacks from section of the media. I'll take you back to 1986. It was my first live grand final as a fan. Parramatta and Canterbury. The Eels won 4-2 and after collecting the trophy, Ray Price and Mick Cronin announced their retirements. I know the media has changed and the spotlight is now brighter, but it was awesome. Surprise, emotion, and most importantly, these two legends got to go out on their terms at their time when they wanted to. Well, I reckon Cameron Smith deserves the same. He can announce it when he wants. Until then... Stop with the questions, stop with the interrogation, and to be honest, it is boring the shit out of me. Speaking of one C. Smith, here's what four-time Premiership winner Brett Kenny thinks of the debate over Smith being named the GOAT. Oh, I'd have him sitting behind me. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) But look... Uh, look, uh, he's obviously been one of the, the great players of the modern era and, and his longevity is unbelievable. Yeah. I, I guess it depends on how you want to choose your great players, whether you look at it as, as someone that was entertaining, yep. um, someone that you know scored a lot of tries, was, was good with the ball, or someone, I, I guess what I would look at is Cameron Smith as as a guy that could control the game of football. I mean, Wally Lewis was great at that, and, and Cameron Smith is just as good. Um, so you might look at him that way and say, well, yes, he probably wasn't a great entertainer. He, he wasn't, yeah. didn't score a lot of tries, or he didn't get overly excited when he touched the ball, but but um, just the way he controlled the game and, 
and um, and that I think it, it would put him in that category as probably one of the greats that we've we've seen. You know, I mean, obviously getting older as well. I guess people probably forget his age and think, oh, you know, he's not doing a lot of things, but just just to be the age he is. Yeah. And I'm not really not sure how old he is, but you know, to do to still be playing, you, you can't expect him to be doing things that he did, you know, 15 years ago. The mailman has delivered, the mailbox is full, and the questions come from Nathan Casey. He asks, what's the best Monday night game you did? Best one or ones, perhaps the Rabbitohs and Roosters in 2012, round one and round 19 it was, and both were won in the final seconds from behind. Two great teams, a great rivalry, and real emotion at the game, and to be on the sideline and then to interview the winners literally seconds after full-time, it was a pleasure. Nathan has also ripped in with this beauty. What's the best palmy you've ever had? Well, I do love me a palmy. Plenty of beauties over the years, but the undisputed winner, Goni's Schnitzel Rear down in Ramsgate in Sydney. It's bigger than a Cameron Munster hangover, a huge range and absolutely spot on. Get in there. You win the unfiltered trucker's hat, Nathan, for questions of the week. Get in touch, please, mate. You can send your questions to mailbox at andyraymondunfiltered.com.au. Ask whatever you want. You ask it, I'll answer it. What about the Craig Bellamy assault of that poor plastic chair in the coach's box on GF Day? Gold. But not every coach's blow-up is aggressive. Here's the legend Josh Morris on the harshest coach's spray he's ever been on the end of. Yeah, I did get a blow-up, but it wasn't a, wasn't a, um, a screaming blow-up. It was a whisper in the ear and it hurt even more. Um, it was Desi and we were playing the, the Titans and... I had a I had a stinker of a game. I think I um I passed an intercept and Anthony Don ran the length and then um I missed a tackle and Minute uh sorry, Mark Minicello scored in the corner and I think we ended up going to golden time and we won. But yeah, after the game we were just yeah, we were pretty disappointed and then um Des, Des came up to me and just whispered in me that you know, I was disappointed in you today. <laughs> I was just like, oh, shit. <laughs> that hurt even. I would have preferred him to just sit there and just tear strips off me, yeah. but a little whisper in the ear so no one else heard it but me. I was like, oh, no. I'm so, disappointed. Yeah, that was, yeah, the old I'm not angry, I'm disappointed, yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I made sure I had a good game the next week. You're listening to Andy Raymond Unfiltered. Want to be part of the team? We have both corporate and private sponsorship packages available. You set the terms. Check out the website at andyraymondunfiltered.com.au or send an email to Terry, that's with an I, at andyraymondunfiltered.com.au. This is the Weekly Watch on Andy Raymond Unfiltered and it's feature interview time. What a treat this interview is between us. We've played 303 games, 16 origins, eight times for the Kangaroos and also 
won a premiership must be a pretty good combo. Robbie Farah is here, and to be honest, he dominates those numbers just a little bit. One year on, how's retirement, buddy? Mate, it's it's been really good to be honest. I've um I've actually enjoyed taking a, a break from footy. I've uh, I've stepped away from football uh, completely and just had some time to unwind and I guess reflect on my career and and have a bit of bit of time to myself. I, I guess when you um when you're a professional athlete, your your whole life revolves around rugby league and it's a it's a day to day job. Twenty four seven, you get you get home at night and you, you know, everything you do revolves around your career so for me this year it's actually been quite enjoyable um just kind of doing all the things in life i've i've really never been able to do whilst i played and just catching up with friends and having a beer when i want to and and all those things and uh i actually haven't missed football too much to be honest which has been good that sounds positive because a lot of guys actually don't cope well with the transition do they yeah, you don't. And look, and at times, I, I, you know, you do struggle. You do get a bit bored at times and you miss being around that team environment. That's, I guess that's the biggest thing. Whilst I don't miss playing and all the, uh, you know, all the things that, that come with preparing your body each week, I think the biggest thing you miss is just being around the boys at training and having a laugh and, and sharing that banter and yeah. being outside of that environment is tough. Um, but, you know, I'm pretty lucky that I've got a really good circle of, of friends and family around me and I'm really close with them. So I've always surrounded myself with um, with good people and, and being Lebanese, mate, there's, they're in abundance, my, my family and friends, and uh, they, they keep me pretty busy. COVID's hit you hard. You were meant to be in Europe holidaying. You've also got an events business, and, and the events business worldwide has, has basically just shit itself and stopped. Yeah, mate, it was uh, it was actually really enjoyable. I guess why I enjoyed uh, the transition out of footy so much was because of the events business, and we'd built that up over the last three years um, to a point that you know we we gained a lot of traction and things were going really well. Uh, it's called Two Four Seven. We we curate VIP packages for our clients to sporting events all around the world, and not just sporting events, but experiences in general. Like if you've got any sort of experience that you want to tick off your bucket list, we can make it happen. And mate, I retired last September. In the in the five months pre-COVID, I was mate, I was jet setting all around the world. I went to um, you know, I was down in Melbourne for for Spring Carnival, and and then for the Australian Open in January, I was over in the UK for an English Premier League tour. Uh, we took 30 odd clients to Miami for the Super Bowl in February, uh, so so that definitely um, you yeah, know helped the transition out of rugby league and uh, things were going really well. And then obviously COVID hit and um, I've been stuck here twiddling my thumbs. So uh, that's um, yeah that's that's been hard for the business, um, but that's okay, mate. You know um, there's a lot more people worse off and. I'm sure once the world opens back up again, mate, people are going to be going mad to get out to these events again. So business for us, hopefully, will just uh, resume as normal. Watching the GF on the weekend, does the mind start wandering back to 05 and your premiership? Yeah, you know, it's, um, it does. You try, you don't think about it too much. It's a long time ago now, but always on grand final day, yeah. You know, I get out, I wear my grand final ring on grand final day. I get it out of the, uh, get it out of the cupboard and, um, yeah, it's a it's a day to, to to remember you know the the great times we had and as you said, mate, 15 years this year we we've actually uh, we've actually planned a, a bit of a 15 year reunion so so that'll be a bit of fun. Okay. Uh, we're 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 going we're going away together, which will which will be a, a great weekend and, and really looking forward to that. And you know, everyone asks me about it, and I always say when when you share in something as special as winning a grand final together, uh, you share a bond 
together that lasts a lifetime and, and you might not see each other for three or four years and, and you know, people's lives go down a different path or they move interstate but but then you get you get back together again and it, it's like you just haven't missed a beat it's like you saw each other yesterday and um, I'm really looking forward to catching up with the boys. It'll be a, it'll be a good time. Apart from the great CW Hyington dropping f bombs in every yeah. after match interview, is there one moment that stands out in your memory from that grand final? Oh, oh mate, to be honest, yeah, it it was it was such a whirlwind sort of week, a couple of weeks. To be honest, like grand final week for me was um, was really tough. I was I was quite young, and grand final week brings with it a lot of distractions, um, and that was something I wasn't really used to at my age and. And then the feeling of just relief after we won. Um, I remember just bawling my eyes out for a couple of hours in the sheds. It was just absolute relief. Um, the celebrations afterwards, you, you mentioned Hino there. Uh, we always, we always not just joke about his interview, but he, uh, he went pretty hard on the, on the drink real early. And by about midnight, he, mate, he was passed out in bed. Not before uh, he tipped a beer over Ciro's head about an hour after kickoff. So we always remind him of that. Every time we see Ciro, he just goes up the wing with his tail between his legs. Um, yeah, and, and then just, mate, the week after was was crazy. Um, as I said, mate, um, especially the young guys, like myself and Benji and, and those boys, like 20, 21 years of age on top of the world. Uh, mate, we definitely um, we definitely partied long and hard. The Melbourne Storm 26-20 on the weekend. Cameron Smith. Now, you've probably played against him more, especially in origin, than anyone else. Does it surprise you he is still playing as well as he is all these years later? No, it doesn't. You, you know, I've obviously played against him and, and played with him in the, um, you know, for the Kangaroos and gone on tour with him over, overseas. And uh, you see how professional he is with his... Um, his training, his recovery, uh, the way he looks after his body, um, and he just never seems to get injured, mate. You know, he's he's just um, he, he's unbelievable. His longevity. Um, I can't remember him having a serious injury, to be honest. Um, yeah, he, his body doesn't look like much. Um, everyone calls him the accountant, but um, I guess he's just got good good genetics, um, and he, and he's blessed. Um, you know, with the longevity that he's had, it's it's been quite remarkable and. Um, it doesn't surprise me at all that he's he's still playing the way he is. Your Tigers, what did you make of their 2019? Yeah, quite disappointing to be honest, uh, Andy. You know, the, the season started with a lot of promise, and I thought I thought things were um, you know changing a lot within the within the club, and uh, we saw a lot of resilience and uh, a lot of toughness there at times. Uh, I think halfway through the year, you know, they were competing really well against. Uh, a couple of the top sides, I know they had a, a, a tight loss to the Panthers and and Parramatta, and um, it, it kind of it kind of seemed like uh, things were were heading in an upward direction, and then and then it all kind of fell in the heap. Um, I, I remember quite clearly, uh, you know, lost to the Warriors at um, at SCG, and then followed up by you know a, a throbbing, a, 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 sorry, a thrashing against um, Newcastle up at um, McDonald Stadium, you know, two weeks in a row when. Yeah, they were two crucial games uh, in a point of our season, and then and then from there, mate, it, it kind of just went downhill. So, yeah, quite quite disappointing, mate. I guess the inconsistencies that have plagued us in the past um, were still there, and um, another season without semi-final football, which um, you know, as everyone knows, well documented, the longest streak in the NRL. So, you know, that's something that we need to change quickly. But um, yeah, I know Madge has got his work cut out. Uh, you know, trying to. Um, trying to get the club back on track. Harry Grant, super impressive this year. 
as an ex-number nine, what did you like most about the way he played his footy? Yeah, he's, he's obviously so talented. Uh, you could see uh, the quality that he's got. But the thing that impressed me most was just his his work ethic. Um, you know, having watched him, I, and I spoke to him a couple of times during the year, he was always, um, yeah, he was always up for feedback and uh, trying to improve his game, which I love in, in a young kid. You know, and he'd reach out to me at times and just say, "Hey, mate, what are you seeing in my game?" and and we'd have a yarn on the phone for an hour, and yep. mate, it was it was really good to talk to because you could see he was a kid that was just always wanting to improve and, and wanting to get better, and and that's something I really love. You know, um, sometimes you get those kids that come in and, and they think they've made it and they and they rest on their laurels, but but with him, mate, um, it was always just about getting better. And mate, at times I, I had to tell him, I said, mate, you're doing too much because you'd see in games he was just trying to do everything. He'd he'd be popping up trying to cover tackles in defence and. Um, you know, being in places on a field where a hooker really shouldn't be. And um, and that's just through his competitiveness and, and wanting to win. But at times he was burning himself out. And I said I said to him, mate, I said, at times you, you just got to learn to be a bit more efficient and, yep. um, and, try and try and be a bit smarter with the way you get through a game. So, uh, but that, that's a good problem to have, mate. You'd rather someone um, busting their ass to, yeah. to try too hard than, than not trying enough. So, um, you know, and, he, and he'll get better, mate. His first full season in the NRL and, um, you know, that'll come with experience, you know, all the learnings that, it, that he'll have this year. Mate, you're doing some fundraising. Share us the details on what's doing and how people can help. Yeah, obviously, um, I've obviously had a bit of time on my hands, mate, because of, of COVID and, um, you know, what better way to, I guess, occupy my time than uh, try and do a bit of fundraising. And, and unfortunately, mate, um, you know, for me, the tragedy of the Beirut explosion um, yeah, hit very close to home. I'm, I'm very proud of my Lebanese heritage and and my family. I've got a lot of family over there and a lot of friends that have been affected. And I've tried my best to, to get involved with a lot of fundraising over the last couple of months. And and more so now. Um, just uh, you know, there's a, a on a personal note, one of the one of the Lebanese rugby league boys over in Lebanon has um, lost his family home in the explosion. His his family got, got destroyed and. Um, you know, I think sometimes with fundraising, you, ra- you raise some money and you, you never know where the money ends up. So, um, you know, for this, we took it upon ourselves and, and not just me, I guess um, I've used my platform on social media to to kind of raise awareness about it. But but the Lebanese boys, the, the squad were, were good enough to to donate their jerseys from the 2017 World Cup. Um, and we got 10 jerseys, which we got framed. And mate, I went over to Freddie's house one night and I said, mate, me and you need to sign these jerseys and, and Freddie thought it was a rort you know, us being Levos and <laughs> I, no but um, no, he was he was more than happy to sign it and you know myself and Freddie signed these jerseys we got them framed up and, and we're going to uh, I'm auctioning them off on um, on my Instagram and try and raise as much money as we can and, and every single cent's going to go over to, to our mate over in, in Beirut to, to help him rebuild his family home what's your Instagram details mate mate it's just at Robbie Farrah yep just my name that's nice and easy. Uh, we'd urge anyone uh, that is a rugby league fan or with a bit, little bit of compassion in their bones to go and take a look at Robbie's Instagram. It's a wonderful gesture on behalf of uh, Robbie, Brad and, and the entire Lebanese side from the 2017 World Cup. Good luck with the fundraising. You're a good man. Thanks for stopping in. Catch you soon, Big Nuts. Thanks, Big Nuts. See you, mate. Sport is about moments, the ones you just don't forget. That win. That miss, almost, celebration, frustration, never forgotten. Let's wind back the clock. 
tightening and Hux Dancer joins in full wide. Just behind them is Mamoul as they corner from County Tyrone and then Jardine's lookout. Here comes Grayson down the outside and Yakama, the widest runner. Zagadia at the 300, frightening with Mackay BD. They're going for a run. She's finishing hard. And wider out now, Fantastic is joining in. And She's Archie runs on, but Mackay Diva shot away. She's out by two lengths to She's Archie. Fantastic and Zagadia. Mackay Diva in front. She's Archie tries hard, but Mackay Diva wins the cup. She's Archie second. Photo third either. Fantastic or Jardine's lookout with close up on the inside, Zagalia. And they were trailed further back by Distinctly Secret and Grayson from Yakama, Mr. Prudent. And then Hoax Dancer. Almost 20 years ago, arguably my favourite horse, the winner of the Melbourne Cup in 03, 04 and 05. And from Sky Racing, Andrew Hurley takes up the story. I always have loved the Melbourne Cup. Um, but I recall 2002, David Hall trained uh, trained uh, Maccabi Diva at that stage and it won the Queen Elizabeth. It was only sort of was really stepping up in grade. It had gone through races sort of at the provincials and was thrown in. Uh, to the Queen Elizabeth and won comprehensively. And I remember saying, thinking to myself, oh, gee, that, that looks like a Cups horse. Anyway, um, probably to the horse's benefit, they didn't race it until the following spring, allowed, allowed her to, to develop and mature. Um, and then she came out in 2003 and she just had that flashing light on her pretty much from, from first up. So I just kept backing her pretty much every week. So if I had, you know, a winning day on a Saturday, I'd, I'd throw 50 on, I'd throw 20 here, 30 there, whatever. So it came, came the day of, of the cup. Um, I had, well, still, that was 2003, 17 years ago. That's still probably the biggest bet collectively I've had it and the, and the biggest win. I'm sitting here now, Andy, because I actually, not only was the, 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 the win so significant, but I absolutely loved her as an animal. Absolutely loved her. Um, and then, of course, she won three Melbourne Cups, Cox Plate. I mean, recall that that scene at, at the top of the straight, and they all fanned. It's absolutely unbelievable um, sight. You've got you know these best gallopers in Australia, and there's seven or eight um, across the track, and, and, and Bossy just went bang. And yeah, um, obviously, we've had wings and black caviar, but. In, in my heart, my favourite was uh, was Maccabi Diva. She was just extraordinary. The gorgeous girl, Maccabi Diva. What a recollection and collect too. Two massive international meetings early next week as well. Vile in South Africa and Pornichet in France. Stop it. If you haven't been on the lounge, beer in each hand, wearing the dribble tie with the fun police asleep and disgusted in you with the bedroom door locked, and you're betting on Vale at 2.30am on a Tuesday morning, you're probably in the wrong place. In an unusual year, State of Origin is now just days away for Queensland. There is no one that epitomises what the Maroons are all about more than the legendary Chris Choppy Close. Here's Gordon Tallis's thoughts on Choppy. Queensland Rugby League has many... Uh, wonderful contributors over the years. Chris Close, how much a part of Maroon folklore is Choppy? Man of the match in the first two. None. You – no, you can't. You will find someone equally as passionate, but you'll never find anybody more passionate about State of Origin, about Queensland than Chris Close. He is a, 
He's a fantastic guy. He was our greatest manager. Um, he was a great player. I still remember those big runs, like when he'd go his legs, you know, he'd just power through. He'd backhand Eric Growth. He he played. He, mm. he, and he's a great follow choppy. He's great to have around. Um, I remember every time he'd he'd get on the bus, he'd always say, mate, I'm going to pick on you all day. And, and then basically he would hand me a sheet of paper with all these fat jokes in and then he would hit me with that many ugly jokes. He has <laughs> Gordy's that ugly that he makes onions cry and then, mate, and then the team laugh. But like just the way he does it and then he just keep on going and, you know. And you'd be able to return yeah. serve from the list he gave you. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So, mate, so like then uh, he was a great – mate, he was a great manager and he always sensed what the team and mate, what the team needed but there was no more passionate guy. Brent Tate gives us his thoughts. To me means – the fabric of what Queensland's about. I think when you look back to that first game and you see a young kid having a, having a crack in that maroon jersey like Choppy did, um, I think that was a catalyst and, and part of our fabric and what we build our story off going forward. He was the central part of Queensland Rugby League for so many years. As a player, then as a team manager, or just confidant and mate. I've got great memories of Choppy being our team manager when I first come in Origin and, and being someone that uh, had a genuine level of care about you and I think you can yeah. feel that when you talk to Choppy. There's, a, there's, a, there's compassion and there's a genuine level of, you know what, I've got your back, young fella. We'll have to get Choppy on the Legend Series over the summer. He sure fits the tag and a wonderful fella to boot and one of the finest drinking companions you can ever have the pleasure of sharing a bar with. Plenty coming up on the Legends Series in the next few weeks. On the back of the Craig Bellamy and Stacey Jones interviews, we've got Mal Meninga, John Wayne Parr, Jamie Simpson and Kevin Walters all ready to go, as well as this man, Brent Tate, in an interview simply titled Born Marone. I've actually got a really vivid memory of my debut game. Um, I've got... Picked on the bench um, in the third and final deciding game in Sydney. Yep. I was really excited all week. I wasn't nervous at all. It was just pure excitement because, again, being a kid in Queensland, that's all you want to do when you, mm. you, know, you live and breathe it. Um, I, you can't even explain it. It's just It was just absolutely the ultimate. So I'll never, ever forget. I, I almost describe it as an out-of-body experience, Andy. Um, it was the second half. Um, the call came down from the coach's box that I was on. Anyway, I remember getting the interchange card. I remember walking over to the interchange official, handing it to him, and I had to take my position at um, ANZ Stadium on the far side. Oh, mate, I get goosebumps, like, I get goosebumps even talking about it now. I remember everything just went completely quiet, and there would have been 90,000 yeah. at the old stadium. Anyway, oh, sorry, I've got the gooseys out. <laughs> and everything just went completely quiet, and I just remember jogging. It felt like... It felt like I was almost looking down upon myself. And I remember looking at my boots, my socks, my shorts, and I remember looking at my jersey, and I sort of was running. I just remember sort of glancing up the field and seeing that maroon wall. And it was like that moment then I went, sort of went, holy shit, yeah. I'm playing State of Origin football. Like it was like, oh, shit, this is the big time. It just hit you in that one moment. Mate, I got got the goose he's talking about. It just – that was a moment it hit me. And then I, it, I guess the rest is a bit of a blur. But, um, geez, what – what a moment. And, mate, I had all my family in the crowd and, um, yeah, it was just a far out. It's such a – I love playing for Queensland. That, there's just something about that maroon jersey. 
A big make that massive weekend of sport. That includes on Saturday night the opening game of the Tri-Nations or the third Bledisloe Cup, however you want to term it. This year, Australia, New Zealand and Argentina. Joining us, the great man, Sean Maloney from the Aussie Rugby Show podcast. Our international campaign in an otherwise disrupted year started pretty well with that draw, but a little hiccup since. Can the good times continue Saturday? Well, let's let's spin it back uh, to that first Bledisloe over there in NZ where we went within a whisker, mate. We went within a shaving of the right-hand upright in Wellington to landing well the all-time. It would have been one of the all-time Wallabies wins. Obviously locked that one up and then uh, we're on the wrong side of the 27-7 scoreline at Eden Park. But there were little things that they could have tweaked or that they can tweak out of that game, the Wallabies, to get a result at ANZ Stadium on Saturday night. The All Blacks, are they an achievable or attainable goal at this point in the Wallabies' development? I don't think they'll get a better chance, mate. I really don't. Like, this is a very fresh All Blacks team. Obviously, a lot of flux off the back of the World Cup. New coach, which is really key with uh, Ian Foster going in there for the long time. Steve Hansen. And this has been spoken about a lot, is that these young Wallabies kids have got no scar tissue from previous campaigns. They don't know what it is to be given an absolute hiding at home or away by the All Blacks. So with that uh, lack of fear and that inbuilt confidence that they've got, and a lot of them have got a lot of success against New Zealand at an age group level two that are now coming through. So they don't have those issues heading in and they'll have a, I mean, they will be having another red hot track. Never a better chance to get them, I don't reckon. Game two, we were beaten on the scoreboard by 20. But it was about a 10 or 12 minute burst that saw three all black tries. Other than that, we sort of kinda held our own. I mean, there's there's enough positives in that game to be optimistic. There were, mate, and there were also those two key chances. I mean, and everyone speaks about this over and over again, have done since the beginning of uh, Bledisloe Cup games. You've got to take every single opportunity. And there are a couple in that game that you mentioned. There was Brendan Payne Gramosa peeling off the back of them all when he shouldn't have and was eventually uh, nailed for a penalty and then New Zealand score at the other end of the field and then uh, Mariki Korobiti, who just continues to annihilate yeah. defenders, was actually held up by uh, Richie Moanga, which made all the difference as well. So there were little things and there was that and <laughs> Andy, there was also the 40 missed tackles in total. So if they can just execute a little better and make a whole lot more of those shots, they uh, will be going a long way into the contest. The other good thing, mate, from an Aussie perspective is the fact that uh, Artie Sevilla is not playing. He's just the barnstorming all-backs number eight who just skittle blokes left and right. So he's out, which will mean a a rookie likely will come in and the Wallabies will be, I'd imagine, much happier with that result. I was just about to say good luck for the weekend. How about enjoy (laughs) it and I'll catch you soon, legend? (laughs) Let's go with the ladder, buddy. If you're enjoying Andy Raymond Unfiltered, give us some love. Go to Apple, Spotify or wherever you're listening and subscribe to the podcast. Then whack in a five-star rating and a review. As random and weird-ass as you like. Funniest weekly review wins an unfiltered trucker's hat. Yeah, bribery. Get to it, legends. And this week's winner of the unfiltered trucker's hat is... 
Tiger Young, 74. Thank you, mate, for your kind words. It's that easy. Leave a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. That purple icon and the hat can be yours. We give away one a week. The ratings and reviews, we don't understand how the algorithm Apple uses works. It's not for ego. It's not for recognition. It simply helps us on the search engines and charts and spreads the word about the podcast. No Apple analytics this week as my chief analyzer, Dick Stiffington, has had a few days off with cramp, I believe. So instead, we'll finish the week with a story about my wife who's been struggling during COVID. She said to me on the weekend, I've put on weight. Do I look fat to you? I thought about it and simply said, you weren't that skinny to start with. Yes, got her. So back to the real world we go. Have a great week, legends, and don't forget to back Pikey in the last.